Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hi guys. So one of the positions I hold is chief branding and strategy officer of Bundle Organics. I helped start this company when I became pregnant with Sunny and found that it was difficult to find healthy, real, organic snacks and teas made specifically for my stage. Bundle Organics provides nursing and pregnant women with products packed with quality organic ingredients and vitamins for each stage of their pregnancy, from fertility all the way to nursing. I'm thankful that through this position, I'm able to get the opportunity to connect with other strong, driven businesswomen and moms like Liz Vacchiarello. When I spoke to Liz, she was the editor-in-chief of Parents Magazine. She has since become the editor-in-chief of Real Simple and is the group editorial director for Meredith Corporation's lifestyle titles, including Parents, Shape, InStyle, Martha Stewart Living, Parents Latina, and Health. And she is a mother of two. Needless to say, she has her plate very full. Liz and I talk about the word I really tried to avoid using, balance. She provides insight into how we should approach steps to finding balance between our personal and professional lives. It is so important to remember that we have to take care of ourselves before we can show up for anyone else or our jobs. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Here is Liz. Liz, welcome to With Wit. I'm so excited to have you on here. I am so excited to be on. I'm a big (laughs) fan, and I think you do a wonderful job talking about mommyhood. Oh, thank you. So let's talk a little bit about mommyhood. How many kids do you have? I have twin girls, and I can't believe this is about to come out of my mouth, but they're entering ninth grade. No way. I know. They were toddlers yesterday. So moms and dads, when you hear that when you blink, it it like goes by so fast. It is so true. It's really it's so, so true. Sometimes when, when he was really small, I have a two-year-old, by the way, Sunny. And when he was really small, I was like, you know, the days are very long, but the weeks and now the years are going by so fast. So fast. And, you know, I, I, I listened... Um, so you did a wonderful podcast with Dr. Sachs about how you really feel about being a mom and all that. Mm -hmm. And I, I related to that so much. I felt the same way, um, a lot of moms do when my girls were toddlers Mm -hmm. and school age, it was so 
grueling, if you will, to parent in those years. And I have really, you know, I think it might be hopeful to some people to hear that, like, I've really hit my stride now that they're tweens and teens and, you know, not everybody is cut out for every age and stage. And so it's, it's interesting how the job morphs as the years go on. A hundred percent. I always say that I'm more comfortable now as a mom to a toddler than I am to an infant. But it's really interesting to me because now that you have ninth graders, you know, when you were a young mom and and possibly felt like a little bit isolated, you didn't necessarily have social media and all of these communities and environments where you could talk about what was going on and have all this support. So how did you find your support and how did you find all your information and and know what it took to be a mom? It's so interesting because it's a great question because I had a Palm Pilot or a Blackberry or something. Like yes. it was just to be right. Yes. Um, um, and so all I really had was email. Facebook was starting to, to, to you know, comment, but I, was, I hadn't joined Facebook. So I had email. And one of the things I, which wasn't really satisfying because I would just email my coworkers and they, you know, were tired of sending, oh, they're so cute. You know, I, I would send pictures and, oh, they're so cute. And I've been thinking about this. How did I find, how did I get that sort of feedback yeah. that social media can give you? Um, and I actually remember packing my girls up into their infant car seat putting them into the car and driving to the mall and putting them in this big twin stroller and walking around the mall in Short Hills, New Jersey. And I used to joke with my husband. I said, I'm going to the mall to receive compliments. And he's like, what? And I said, I go to the mall and you push twins around a mall and everybody stops you. And says, right. they're so cute. Oh, they're so, you must be so tired. You must be so exhausted. They're, enjoy all this sort of stuff. And that served as my kind of like, it was like the equivalent of likes on an Instagram post. Right, right, right. It's so interesting because, yeah, I mean, I'm one of five kids and my mom always said she's actually pretty grateful that she didn't have social media and there wasn't this whole culture of people comparing themselves to other people because she said she always just parented and went with her gut and didn't really care what anybody else was doing and didn't have access to what anybody else was doing. So do you feel like that's kind of how you and your husband did things that it was maybe a healthier environment for you to raise kids in? It's it's actually, I feel two ways about it. It's a great question. Um, On the one hand, I wish, now I'm editor of Parents Magazine. Right. And back then I was working for fitness magazines and health magazines. So on the one hand, I I read the stories that we do now and and I think to myself, God, I wish I knew that then. Boy, I wish I was like, reading all the articles and everything back then, I would have, things would have been so much easier on the one hand. On the other hand, I will say that our research has shown us that moms today, moms and dads, parents are overwhelmed by the amount of information. It's Mm -hmm. almost gone to the other extreme. Mm -hmm. Every, you know, parenting site, every Facebook group, you can go so deep and so niche into all sorts of perspectives on any subject you want mm-hmm. that it's it's almost too much. So mm-hmm. I fell squarely in the middle and thank God I had a babysitter yeah. <laughs> who knew what she was doing, frankly. Like she's been with us since my girls were five 
days old. Wow. And she just swept into our home and she was like, okay, you need this and that and this and move this over here and blah, 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 and try this trick. And we were just like, students at a graduate seminar were like, tell us everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, honestly, I feel like one of the most valuable pieces of advice that I was given by my mom is really to parent with your gut and not to try to compare yourself to so many other people. And like you said, I, I mean, I am grateful that there are a plethora of articles and you know, that there is so much out there for us to read should we have questions. But I do really feel like women should find a core group of people or even just a couple individuals that they turn to for advice because too many opinions can really make you insecure. And then you're just questioning everything that you're doing. Everything. And you're paralyzed and you can't, you can't make any decision without the group think involved. Exactly. Um, I do. I do say I miss. I would have loved the community. Right. I think the support. The support is very valuable to have. Like even a group, a chain, a text chain of, mm-hmm. of moms who are all on the same stage, just somewhere to go. Right. To vent and or or to laugh at yourself or whatever. Right. And to be told you've got this, mama. Right. Yeah. But totally. the advice, the opinion, yeah, the opinions, it's it can be too much. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about your journey to becoming the editor in chief of Parents Magazine. I mean, you have such an amazing career, and you know now obviously it is so welcome and. And women are are empowered and and have goals and dreams and actually can accomplish them. What was it like for you becoming a new mom and trying to break into this industry? It was. It, it's all about choices. It's like the minute you become a mom and you have a baby, time is not limitless, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like if I was going to go to the gym, that means I wasn't going to be with my girls. If I was going to stay late at work, that means I wasn't going to be there fast feeding. If I was going to stay home one day, that means I might miss an important meeting at work. So everything becomes a choice. Mm-hmm. That was a big adjustment for me because at the beginning of my career, I've been editor of Cleveland Magazine. I was the executive editor at Fitness Magazine when I first moved to New York. I was the editor in chief of Prevention Magazine, which was a health publication. Mm-hmm. I've written books. So when my girls were born, I was still at fitness. But at the time, and you'll find a lot of like kids who were right out of college and um, all you all you youngins, you like get, <laughs> you roll into work at eight at eight or nine, and then you can you can do what you want and you can leave at nine or 10, you can at night, right? You right. Can just, the work expands to fit the day. That is not the case. So once you have a baby, time is, is money and, it, and everything's a choice. So one of the things I did was I utilized nap when the girls were sleeping, nap time and bedtime. I used that as wisely as I could. And frankly, the fact that there was no social media back then um, was a gift because today I know that if the, my girls went down, the first thing I'd do is go on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like what's going on. Um, but back then I made a commitment to myself. I was writing a book at the time. And I said, the minute they go down to sleep, I'm going to sit down with my little beanbag lap desk and I'm going to work on the book. And so that gave me, you know, a good five, six hours a day on a Saturday and a Sunday to get um, some writing done. So it was really just hyper efficiency with my time was how, you know, at the very same time that I had twin babies, I was also like about to make this huge leap. 
right. in my career. So it was like, how do you do both? So the, and things fall by the wayside. Things I, I got to tell you, women's French friendships fell by the wayside mm-hmm. and television. Yeah, I, I was just watch, about to say television. If you're, oh my God. I mean, first of all, I can't imagine that. I rely on TV as like my sanctuary and rejuvenation time. But I mean, it just sounds like if you're with your kids while they're awake and then you're working when they're asleep, when was there ever time for you? And did you just go insane? Like, I can't imagine just 24 seven needing to be on all the time. Like, how did you get help? How did you make time for your relationship? You know, like, how did you stay sane? What did you tell yourself to get through those hard times? You know, it's such a good question. And I have to say before I even answer that I'm speaking from my answer is going to be come from a place of privilege. Okay. So I had a kind of, I had a job mm-hmm. where I could afford to have a full-time nanny, right. a babysitter. Right. She didn't live with us. She didn't live with us. And I also had the good fortune of having a partner, a husband. Yes. You know, I look at single mothers. I look at people who can't afford to quote, throw money at the problem. If I wanted to go to the gym and it was outside the hours of when my babysitter was going to be there, I'd just pay her for an extra hour or two and I'd go and I'd get my workout in. So right. um, I was able to, to, to do that. But I have to, I'm so, try to be so cognizant of the idea that so many people cannot do that. They simply don't have the means to do that. Um, right. So, so there was that. I had, I had a team and I think a lot of people, particularly business professionals, they don't show the world that they've had help. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like the minute I, I got home from work, I had to make dinner, do all the laundry, change it. Like when I got home from work in those early years, all the bottles had been washed. The girls' clothes had been washed. I could just focus on the girls. Right. And that I think has a large amount, you know, if I didn't, it would have been nine o'clock before I was able to sit down at work to yeah, work. And I, mean, I wouldn't have sat down to work. I would have fallen asleep. <laughs> right. I, I think it is so important for women to be able to admit that they need help and ask for help. And obviously, like mm-hmm. you said, not everybody can afford to pay for that, but there are so many different options for people. And it's okay that you're not the number one person taking care of your child all the time. And that's what I've really tried to normalize is that you, there is so much guilt when you walk out the door. I mean, this morning I dealt with it. I'm walking out the door and Sonny's screaming, mommy, mommy. And I know that he just wants me, but I have to continue to tell myself that if I didn't walk out that door and show up here today, I wouldn't be the confident person that I feel like I am. And I wouldn't be the best version of myself for Sonny because I would be resentful of my situation that I was just staying at home and being a mom all day. And that's just me personally, you know, like everybody has different goals and dreams for themselves. Some people are perfectly happy staying home and being a mom all day. But it it sounds like to me, you and I are on a similar page where we had, you know, visions for ourselves more than, than being a mom. And so we got to the point where we had to tell ourselves, like, it is okay for someone else to be looking after our child, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it, you know, in, 
in prior, you know, eras, your mother, your neighbors, your grandparents, parents lived next to their nuclear families mm-hmm. or nearby their neighbors. Mm-hmm. It always did take a take a village. My mom always and now, says that. Because of mm-hmm. just the, right. And I moved, I grew up in Cleveland and my husband and I, both of our families are back in Cleveland. So there were no grandparents around. Right. Every minute of childcare we ever had, we had to pay for. And so there are ways if you have family, that's such a gift. If they can spend time with grandmas and grandpas and cousins, Um, we talk in the magazine, we talk about having like babysitting co-ops or like a deal with your neighbors. I'll watch your, your kid while you go to your cardio class and I'll go to my flywheel while you watch my kid, you know, those kinds of sharing situations. There are ways, but it takes such a commitment and it's not easy. And now a word from our partner. So I have told you guys before that I am like a furnace when I sleep. I get so hot. I sweat so much. And Timmy is always complaining and saying how uncomfortable it is. If you're anything like me, you guys should get this comforter called Buffy. Buffy makes bedding that is actually earth-friendly and cruelty-free and will completely regulate your temperature. They've spent sleepless nights worrying about the impact the bedding industry has on the environment and they decided to change it. Their products are made using only sustainable and recycled materials, which makes them as soft on the planet as they are on your very own bed. Their latest product is called The Breeze and it's a comforter made entirely from 100% eucalyptus fiber to regulate temperature and keep you cool and comfortable all night long. So the breeze is actually softer than cotton and naturally soothes skin. I don't know if you guys know this, but eucalyptus actually uses 10 times less water than cotton to grow and its fiber is produced using recyclable earth-friendly solvents. Plus it's hypoallergenic, which Timmy needs because he kind of has some bad allergies sometimes. And its high thread count shuts out dust, mold, and mites for a healthier sleeping environment. You guys can now try Comforter in your own bed for free. If you don't love it, you return it at no cost. If you guys want to try this out, you can get $20 off your Buffy Comforter if you visit Buffy.co and enter the code WITHWIT. Again, for $20 off your Buffy Comforter, visit Buffy.co and enter the code WITHWIT. And now back to our combo. Do you have any tips for women who are trying to achieve work-life balance? You know, I mean, I always say that, and I've Mm -hmm. said this in multiple podcasts, that it's really not always about finding the perfect balance because it doesn't exist. But, you know, when you do meet with women that are struggling to try to find that balance, like what are some tips that you tell them that they can do in order to like feel sane and feel okay and still want to show up to work every day? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because for so many moms, particularly millennial moms and Gen Z moms, they have, they're working from home or they're working from shared workspaces. Mm -hmm. They've started their own businesses. Mm -hmm. So it's not like everybody's showing up to a company and has to receive a paycheck from an HR department that needs to make sure you're there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So for the people who do have to go to work, I would have, I would really look at the, the totality of your life, including your commute. Mm-hmm. And if your commute is sucking two hours out of your life and you're in a car, like if you're on the train and you can get work done or you can sleep or whatever, that's one thing. 
But if you're spending an hour and a half, two hours, there's try to assign a monetary value to that commute time. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe you you want another job that's closer to home. Or if you love your position, you love your job, talk to your supervisor about what the cost is in your, in terms of your life and your sanity to spend that time on the commute. And, and many employers are willing and, and, even eager to have work from home arrangements one or two days a week. If it's going to give back an employee four or five hours that they'd be spending in a car. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that most, most companies acknowledge the fact that it doesn't mean we're going to take you for your money and we're going to sit home and be on Facebook all day. Right. We're going to get our jobs done. We're going to be probably be the most responsible employees that you have because we're happier um, and we're more grateful um, to be able to have that balance. So to to look at all of your circumstances and then to have a chat with your supervisor about not not necessarily what you demand, but like, is there a way to make this better for everybody? Mm-hmm. I might be able to work harder for you if I'm at home and I'll be happier. I was just going to say, you know, how can we empower women to ask those things? Because so many people don't feel comfortable asking their supervisor or their boss for those things. Like, what are some of the the questions that they can ask, you know, something that we can arm them with so that they do feel comfortable speaking up? Because it is up to these large companies to really, like, change the ethics and, and change the way women feel about their, their work-life balance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, because you don't want to, and I'm speaking from a publishing perspective, publishing is a very pink collar job um, industry, if you Mm -hmm. will. There are a Mm -hmm. lot of women. So if you're in banking or if you're at a law firm, you're going to have a much different reaction if you walk in and say that you want to achieve work-life balance. Um, I'd say since because it's very subjective based on where you work and the culture there. I'd, I'd encourage moms and young women and men, fathers, to find mentors in the organization mm-hmm. um, who seem to have the balance mm-hmm. or seem to have had it when their children were younger. Ask them for advice. What's it like around here? What kind of response might I get if I bring this up to my manager? to give you some guidance because every place is different and you want to use the language that's right for your organization. And that doesn't, doesn't depict you in any way as not taking your job seriously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I want to talk a bit about like the other end of the spectrum, which is such a huge part of this. You can't be doing everything for everyone at all times. Like there is some selfishness that needs to come into play in order for you to stay sane. So yes, on one hand, Mm -hmm. you do need to have these conversations with your employer and you do need some help at home. But what are some of the ways that we can feel comfortable being selfish? What can we do to take care of ourselves on a daily basis? (sighs) Boy, you know, I, I think, I think you said it, you, you said it and you have said it, you have said it on your podcast very well um, in that, like, you're going to be the best, mo- you're going to be a better mother. You're going to be a better wife or partner. Um, you're going to be a better you if the happier you are. It's that whole put on the ox- oxygen mask first on the airplane metaphor. Um 
you know, I just, I knew myself well enough to know that my career and being a writer and being an editor was part of my identity. And I went into motherhood knowing that about myself. And mm-hmm. so I looked around and I, I looked at my industry and I looked at my marriage and I thought, you know, can't, I looked at my financial situation. Can I do this in a way that I can still work and not just get to the job, but I also want to get to the job nine to five. And then I also want to work out three or four days a week, yeah. like fitness and health were very, very important to me. And so I had the perspective that I could. Michelle Obama had in her uh, memoir, Becoming, talks a lot about this in her early years when Barack was in the state Senate and she had two young children at home and she was the primary caretaker and she, it was all falling apart. She tells this anecdote of sitting in in a parking lot crying during her lunch break because there was just no time for her. Every second was either at work or running an errand for her kids. And she didn't have money to throw at the situation. And she just realized that she was literally falling apart. Her marriage to Barack was, was under pressure. She was snapping at her young children. She realized, you know, I have got to return to the part of me that enjoyed going to an aerobics class Mm -hmm. once a week. And time with her girlfriends was very soothing. That was self-care to her. So she had this, this moment of reckoning where she realized that it wasn't a nice to have. Self-care was a must have Mm -hmm. uh, in order for her whole family to work. So reminding yourself of that is on a daily basis is important. And finding somebody in your life who can continue to remind you in, in Michelle's, I didn't ha- I didn't need reminding. I'm narcissistic enough to know that I was, I had to find me time. I, I'm kind of like that too. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in Michelle Obama's case, it was her mother. It was her mother who finally said to her, look, you have got to find time for you. So find, look around you and who is the friend or the family member who can p- tap you on the shoulder and say, no, you need to sleep in today right. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's so true. I mean, I always think that like, Waking up and writing a list based on the different facets of your life, like here's my to-do list for work, here's my to-do list for family, here's my to-do list for myself, and making sure that, you know, at least one of those things on the to-do list for yourself is done each day. Because like I said before, if you're not doing at least one thing, whether it's like getting that smoothie that you love or taking the the workout class or going outside and and taking a 10-minute walk and listening to music or journaling for 15 minutes, like, you know, all of these different things that can fill you up, like try to at least be doing one of those a day. Do you have any specific tactics like that, that have helped you navigate your busy schedule? The tactic, the role that a calendar can play cannot be underestimated. Mm -hmm. Simply putting your workouts down on the calendar or the walk that you want to take into your phone so that you get a reminder to Mm -hmm. go take your 10 minute walk Mm -hmm. is very, very helpful. It's almost like it's somebody or something else is telling you to do it when that little calendar thing pops up. Um, I also, I started uh, putting one of the things that I have added to my world in terms of uh, self-care is is I'm trying to be more grateful. Mm -hmm. And so I set my alarm on my iPhone six o'clock every day and I call it um, the gratitude alarm. And every day at six o'clock, no matter where I am, this alarm goes off. 
And I just take 30 seconds to stop what I'm doing and be thankful for something, something that happened that day. So it doesn't always have to be like a chunk of time, uh, like an hour. It can, oh, it can be something as short as take this moment to have your gratitude moment or a daily text that reminds you to text your best friend because she makes you feel good, whatever it is. Um, making ritualizing those things is important and very helpful. Definitely. Because it's so easy if something's not in your calendar, if you don't set aside a time for it, it's easy to make excuses of why you didn't have time for it. I recently just started putting my workouts into my calendar, which seems so simple and like so obvious. But if you don't put it, if you don't schedule it out, someone else is going to be scheduling that time for you. And someone else is then taking control of your schedule. And you always want to be in control of your schedule. I'm so happy that I got the chance to talk to you. I want to tell everybody listening where to find you because now um, oh. <laughs> I'm sh- everybody's probably dying to know your Instagram handle and follow everything that you're doing. Oh, well, I am at Liz Vaccarello on Instagram. So it's V-A-C-C-A-R-I-E-L-L-O. So there's that silent I in it. Liz Vaccarello. And it's all about my, my teenagers and and Life at Parents magazine. Amazing. And also to follow parents on Instagram as well. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Well, always parents and parents mag parents magazine every Friday. They uh, we have a takeover. One of the people on our staff takes over their our Instagram on Friday. So you get to see like our toy editor what she's like and that's amazing what her family's like and what a day yeah it's fun so you can really lot. get a feel for the soul of the magazine and what a day in the life looks like that's awesome yeah well I'm a big fan of yours Whitney so thank you so much for having me on I think that you're a great addition to the motherhood thought leadership in this country and wow. I am so glad that you found an audience because um, you have a really special point of view oh thank you so much Liz this was so lovely Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review because I want to hear from you guys. You can let me know what you thought of this episode or anything more you want to hear about. Thanks. Peace in the streets.